Not surprisingly, when we were doing uh, singing our songs and worshiping, praising God, that most of the words of those songs were what the message that God's given me to share tonight. You know, there's <clears throat> some things we get in our habit. I call it a culture. I like a lot of things about culture, especially food. From all cultures, I love all cultures because I love food. So that's the start. And, it, and it's great to see uh, the diversity of people. But uh, <clears throat> the gospel just fits perfectly in every culture. But uh, some of the cultural things that happen in church, it's, I was thinking about it tonight. One of them is we often hope that when we come to church, we experience the presence of God and it's a beautiful, beautiful atmosphere. And you might have had conversation with people when you've left church and said, wasn't it? the presence of God just awesome and it was beautiful and things like that. And I've said that and we look to do that. But you know, when you look at the Bible and you look at the history and the early church, it's interesting, they hardly ever talked about that. In fact, the opposite, they actually talked about how when Christians went out or they had church, there was often clashes, clashes of kingdoms. And one of the things I hope tonight, and if you remember any of the songs we're singing, it was all about fight. It was all about battle and warfare. And I've got to put my hand out for being guilty that in in much of my Christian life, I don't think about fighting. Five years ago when our son nearly was killed and lost his, ended up losing his arm, you know, you fight in prayer. You fight for your kids. You fight any parent that's here. You know, you'd do anything to fight for the health and welfare and safety of your children. But sometimes we can get into the habits of enjoying or involved in aspects of Christian life, but forget the fact that actually when I was preparing these notes and went through, I was amazed how much of the Gospels talks about fighting, talks about warfare, and we're in a season of prayer and fasting. And Damien shared last week, and I really enjoyed it. I wondered at the start how deep we're going to go. But it was awesome. And this really, I think, flows on. Because it talks about, he, he talked about us when we're knocking, in prayer in particular, knocking and you know, seeking God, that we have to be just unashamed, unabandoned, press in there. Why? Because that's the type of faith that God wants us to have. And as the heading of my sermon, it was spiritual restless. But then when the song was on, I put underneath it, this is how I fight. And you know, sometimes maybe the best meetings we could have would be where there's the greatest clash of kingdoms happening. And I don't mean amongst people, because the Bible, as we'll share in a moment, the Bible talks about the fight we're in is not according to human understanding. It's not according to human ways. It's a spiritual battle. And one of the scriptures you'll all know very well if you've been a Christian for a little while, you would have heard the scripture where Jesus prayed and told us who he was, he was speaking, and, he, and he, he said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers. Why? Because the harvest field is ready. And I never tied in, because we can sort of read that story or remember that, and then there's another bit in that scripture, and I want to read it tonight. It wasn't the main scripture I had at, had at the beginning. And um, Luke chapter 10 And reading from verse 1. Now the Lord chose, listen to this, 72. We know he had 12 disciples. 
You spend a lot of time with them. And they, we talk about them being the foundation of the church and, you know, the, I guess the models and, and that sort of thing of how we as Christians and especially leaders or mature, mature Christians should conduct ourselves and what we're meant to do. But here, how much time would he have spent with 72? Not much. They might have heard him preach at least once. I don't know how he gathered the 72. But he sent out 72 with a commission. So they weren't well trained. Maybe they were Jews. I guess they, they probably were. He sent out 72 other disciples and sent them on ahead in pairs to all towns and villages he'd planned to visit. There were his, this, these were his, his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are so few. I never realised that scripture was to the 72. I'd read it, but forgot about it. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers... For the fields. Go now and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. We need to remember some of these scriptures. As Christians, it's almost a paradox, it's a contradiction. God's asked us to fight, and you say, You're going to be like lambs. Jesus, at Christmas time, we remember, He was the Prince of Peace. And many of us at times pray for peace. I don't think we understand that there's not going to be spiritual peace until the Lord comes back. There's a fight going on, and we've got to fight for the things that, uh, you know, the devil's stolen. The Bible says the, in John 10, 10, the enemy, the devil's come to each one of us to kill, destroy, and to take from us those things God has given us or wants to, us to have. And through prayer, and I'm sure some of you this week have been praying for family and friends that have need, physical Emotional needs and various things. In verse 17, he said, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us and we, when we used your name. So tied in here is a, a teaching, a, a thought that you need, we need to hold on to in this season of prayer and fasting and forever. That God is sending us out. We're as good as, we're as called, we're as commissioned as the 72. And God said, send us out, the harvest is white. But when we think of the harvest, what do we think of often? And I'm generalising, I know. But I think of, oh, witnessing to people. Telling them about the gospel, telling them about Jesus. But the way these guys did it, they went out and with power and authority and the commission of Jesus, they saw the needs and the bondages and all these things these people had, and they set them free. And they opened up opportunities, I'm sure, to share about the love and that Jesus through the cross, as we heard tonight. It's through this power and in this name that you're set free. All of us. Jesus gave this commission to all of us. And one of the things, I've got to be honest with you, one of the things I've struggled with in this season, because I'm a student of prophecy, and I think I've said before from this pulpit here, this platform here, this not a platform, but from out, this position out here, I've said that in the last days, one of the signs of the end times is going to be wars, famines, increase of earthquakes. And I'm telling you, you don't know it because you don't hear the stats, but the increase of famines and earthquakes and that is not decreasing Sicknesses and illnesses that with all their medication and all the fundraisers that we have, it's still more people dying from many things. 
But the greatest thing, the Bible says, but one of the greatest signs will happen in our last days, men's hearts failing them because of fear, anxiety, depression. No solution in the natural. Friends, this is because it's a spiritual war going on. It's a spiritual battle, and one of the things I think we need to be open to is what the Scriptures afresh are saying, and in this time, in this season, God, teach us for the first time, or teach us afresh, teach us, teach us again how we're to intercede, how we're to go forth in this harvest field for these people. Yes, he told them, this is what I want to see, and tonight, you know what? There's some battles going on. Even if there's one or two of us, there's fights going on. We all have things at different times that we want to get the victory over. But I want to say to you tonight, that is your inheritance. That's the promise. And sometimes we need to humble ourselves, not only before God, before one another and say, pray for me. I need prayer. I need to be set free. I need deliverance. And that could be the key that needs breaking. Because all the issues, we attack too often the symptoms. Oh God, look at this. You know, there's this and that. And Jesus always addressed the cause. And we know the original cause is the enemy. And he said, I saw Satan falling from heaven as a flash of lightning. These are the average believers here. Went out without heaps of training. Went out because the harvest was ripe. We don't need heaps of training. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to read the basics of the gospel and take it out. I'm not against it. I did Bible college. I'm not against it. But sometimes we need to get back to basics and the original plan. And like, you know what I want to see happen tonight? It might be uncomfortable in here for some. Who cares? I do because there's a battle often going on in our own minds and our own hearts. But when we grab hold of what God's provided us for, for us in authority and power and there's victory there, unless things have changed since that day there, Jesus sees the enemy falling again. Your life can be like lightning. The enemy's broken, whatever that stronghold, whatever that weakness. You know, and, we get, and friends, don't get down on yourself. Get down on the devil. I know this sounds like old-fashioned Pentecostal preaching, but we've got to remind ourselves. We have an enemy, and he hates you. And friends, let's be truthful. Sometimes the enemy operates in the middle of a church meeting. Why? Because the Bible says if you want to be involved in prayer and reconciliation and helping in the ministry of Jesus to bring them and connect them with God through Jesus, we have to be reconciled ourselves. Jesus said, before you bring your worship, before you ask me to answer your prayers, first be reconciled to your brother. If you're judging other people, don't expect me to answer your prayers. This is the same Jesus. This is the red letter in my Bible. And I say this because I don't want your prayers to go unanswered. I don't want my prayers to go unanswered. And God, all of heaven... You know, just imagine, and it's not a bad thing to imagine, Jesus there with the myriads of angels and saying, I want to help that church. they got so much. Read the revelation about the churches. they got a few good things going for them. But if they just deal with this, I could really use them. 
if they got rid of their pride and they got rid of this and humbled themselves before me, I could really use them and I could change their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I will heal the land. This is true. It's not me. I'm a messenger. And I hope I get it across simple and clear. Jesus says, I saw Satan falling. Oh, Jesus Jesus did deal with the devil. He broke that. But here, he's telling us the principle. When you go out to the harvest field and just do the simple things I say, you will destroy the works of the evil one. And I will see that demon and that devil again and again fall like lightning. So when we look at the symbol for Port Adelaide, let's remember the devil can fall like lightning. That just caused the clash of spiritual kingdoms in this place. Wow. Forgive me, Lord. Uh, (laughs) How to lose it real quick. And this is what Jesus continued to say. He said, I saw the devil fall like lightning. Because he said, even the demons obey us. They were surprised. We know, you and I have the the story, most of us have read it. We've been given authority to treble on devils and, and to take up scorpions if that's the case and whatever, you know. But I'll, I'll finish reading. This is so good. It's so good. He said, and I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. He hadn't died, he hadn't risen, he hadn't sent the Holy Spirit, but these 72 he sent out, he said, this is what I've got for you. Wow. He commissioned them when they weren't even filled with the Spirit, but had his authority, had the privilege, he had the right to go. You know, when we're baptised and we're born again, and he says, all this power is given to you, we have the greatest power and privilege the world has ever seen. Kingdoms of men can try and crush people. But if we grab hold of the kingdom of heaven, they will never destroy our soul. They can never do that because all power and authority has been given to him in the church. And Jesus wants to see the enemy falling. It's like Job. He sits back there and look at him. Look at my son Andrew. Look what he's doing. You know, The enemy was bragging when he was doing this and that and poking the finger at him and saying and whispering and gossiping about it. Now I sit back, here's my son, have a look at him. That's what he wants to say about every one of us. Why? Because we have the same God, we have the same spirit, we have the same instruction, we have the same authority, we have the same power. The Bible says the same spirit and power that raised Jesus from the dead is what dwells in you. We need to have a change of thought because the Bible says, when it tells us the battle we have, he said, you don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and power. And every high thought, someone said it tonight about the thoughts. One of you ladies said it. The battle we have as Christians is no longer out there. It's not people. It's not those who've hurt you. The battle, the only is his lies and accusations. And he said, every high thing, he said, our fight is against all those demonic thoughts that contradict the word of God. We've got to take those captive. That's the fight. This is how I fight. I don't believe those thoughts and lies about me or my brother and sister anymore. And we now start need to be believing and confessing what Jesus says about us. So Jesus says, all 
I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice just because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered as citizens of heaven. And tonight, I want to tell everybody here, if you're not sure if your name's registered in heaven, you can be sure. You know, people say, oh, we don't know where we go when we die. Well, I'll tell you what. I have this confidence. I've had the privilege in the last five years to think about death, as my wife will tell you, a lot of times. And my prayer was for, for a good while, for a good number of months, God, give me another few months to my son's wedding. Give me another few months because I want to do more for you. And you know what? Now that I'm sort of, I guess, back in the saddle a little bit, I want God, give me another 10 or 20 years because all the things... It's true. I absolutely believe, oh, I don't want to leave this life because when you lived a while, isn't it right, Gordon? When you lived a while, you know you've got some stuff inside you that's good. And you want to be able to share it. You want to be able to encourage the next generation. And I do. I want to encourage them as grandparents and parents. All of you parents and grandparents want the best for your children. And God's given us the opportunity as spiritual parents and and grandparents to give our best to our children. We're meant to have that role, to get behind them. You know, it's not by accident that Judy and myself run the young adults. Not because we've never grown up, or me, I'll put my hand up for that. (laughs) They seem to understand us better. But anyway, but the truth is, I believe that in that group, there's so many young leaders and key Christians that God's sending out to the harvest field. We, were, we had the privilege of going over just before tonight's meeting at Port Life Church to play with the young girl who's going to play basketball in America. And the parents said, can you come and pray for her? And just before Judy prayed for her, I said, we run a young adults group. And, and part of the prophecy we had, and I showed them to Ben 20 years ago, was that God's going to bring young people into your life and you're going to sow into them and release them into the harvest field. We only add to what their parents and grandparents and other Christians and coaches have done with them. What a privilege. Because it's going to go on and on and on. And the devil's going to come down again and down again. I had a part in that. I had a part in that. I loved them. They were like my spiritual children. And we can rejoice together in the, in the success of what God wants us to do. Then Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And this is is another key one here. I want you to listen to this carefully. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, this is Jesus. Thank you for hiding the truth from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing it to childlike. See the contradiction? Oh, it's the leaders and churches get sucked into trying to have the the best preacher and and the most skilled person up there. We should have the, the one that's the most broken. And the one that's been taken from the gutter up there as trophies to the Lord Jesus Christ. It says here, Jesus says, I thank you, Father, you haven't used the wise and the clever, but the childlike. Do you get it? You see, it's a contradiction. We fight like this, humility and childlike. But don't whisk me. Don't, I said to Nonna tonight, did you pray for me? She said, yes, because about preaching. I said, I'm right. I'm right to go. She's had my back. You know what, you know what intercession is? I got a sussed. Watching someone's back. You got their back. 
Think about it. You're my brother and my sister. You're my family member. I've got your back. You cannot have someone's back any better than praying and interceding for them. You're calling down all the power and authority that God's given you to pray for them. They have their free will. But other than that, you're releasing the angels of heaven and anybody else to do what God wants to do. What a privilege. I've got your back. It's never been my strength. It's not my calling, you know, to, to prayer. But I thank God that we have a pastor who said, let's pray in this season. Prayed more than I've been praying for a long time. We even started to get a little bit healthier in this season. <laughs> the authority and power we have, it's real delegated authority and power. As we just read even in that scripture, Paul, <clears throat> Paul writing here in 2 Corinthians 10, in uh, chapter 10, verse 3, we are human but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not merely worldly weapons to knock down the devil's strongholds. This is after the gospel. This is after the Holy Spirit, right? With these weapons, we break down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. Whoa. Got someone's back? You've got the authority to bind the devil from lying to them. And those thoughts and ideas... Your brother or sister or whoever isn't your enemy. But the enemy speaks in there, lies and thoughts. We have been given the privilege and every authority over every demon and every lie and every thought. With these weapons, we conquer their rebellious ideas and we teach them to obey Christ. Wow, that's what we've been given. But we all have real power. There's no greater power and authority, the Bible tells us. In Zechariah 4.6, not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. The church is called to speak prophetically, and this is what happens in this season. For example, I'm not a, if you know me, you know I'm not a big fan of protests. They asked Jesus, we're going to deal with the, the Romans at this time? You're going to pull down that stronghold? It's not for you to know the seasons and times, but the Father in heaven. He said, but you can pray. You can pray for these leaders and governments and so on. The church is called to speak or pray prophetically to governments rather than hold a political placard. There's a season if God's told you to do it, but we're not going to change much through that. That's human methods. We need to get back. What's God's method? It's not my idea. I'm not going to argue with you. You can believe in it. And, I've, you know, we've had good Christian men and women in politics. If God's spoken to them, if God has spoken to them, is the issue. Oh, work for them. Let's copy them. No, we need to hear what the Spirit's saying. And protest rallies. Our authority is not found in the power to demonstrate, but rather in the demonstration of the power. That's it. If you listen to people and, you know, they see us Christians, you know, it's, I've got to tell you, and, and in a way I'm glad that I'm not at this stage been involved in pop-up, but I love telling non-Christian people what the, the congregation's doing because it's recognised. But there may come a season when we don't have favour with everybody. I mean, the neighbours aren't always happy here. <laughs> But 
The Bible says we should be known for our good works. They shouldn't have an accusation against us because we don't do what we're meant to do for the poor and so on. But if we point fingers at different groups and make judgments and then say, oh, save them, Lord. Who loved them? We've experienced it personally in our own family. We're one of our own. And the church had the opportunity to help this person that didn't have another shelter to go into, who didn't have food, didn't have transport, couldn't feed their family, and said, no, God wants you to just not live in the same house. Didn't offer any solutions. Big church. And I thank God that my son never had the, the bitterness to say, right, I'm going out of here. He said, I understand where you're coming from. And he still goes to church and he's still blessed with those people. Now, that's, I'm more pleased about that than anything else, that he didn't get bitter, he didn't blame them because he knew his fight wasn't against flesh and blood. It was the enemy trying to pull him down and this sort of thing. And he's still driving taxis in America, one arm, and he got a new vehicle and he's going good. People say, how's he going? He's going good. He's, his vehicle, grace of God, 300,000 miles. Anyone know the calculation? That's 500, half a million kilometres his car did. And the, and the mechanic said, it's not going to last much longer. So he, I, you know, I'm just bragging on my son a bit here because this is what God does. He, God's in, God gets in him. And he said, I've got to get another vehicle, but I'm going to get a van so I can take more people. I can, you know, charge more and work less hours. So that's, and his father-in-law, he said, I'll help you pay for it. He said, no, I want to work it off myself. Proud. Don't know what that's got to do with anything. <laughs> Just <laughs> Intercession. Standing in the gap. Having each other's back. Intercession, and this is the, you know, just relating to the season we're in in prayer. You know, I've never, I just, I guess I've taken for granted the intercessors. But everywhere you read about people, individuals, congregations having breakthroughs or having influence in their community, it's always because there's a group of people praying. And sadly, it's just been the women often. Where Paul gives instructions about prayer and he says, men to lift up hands. In church, and this is how you, how you pray. We don't often get those instructions and follow them through. But intercession creates a meeting. Wow. And this is the privilege. I'm talking now a bit about the privileges. We're just about got 10 minutes. It creates a meeting. Intercessors meet with God. But they also meet with the powers of darkness. And they might be childlike. They might be women, but they have all the power and authority that heaven and earth will ever see at their disposal. And the greatest one, the power of God himself and the Holy Spirit lives in them. I'm glad they're praying for me. I'm glad Nana's praying for me. But I've got to pray for myself and I've got to pray for others as well. At times a collision of divine forces in battle happens. And I want to encourage you, when you think, oh, it's not going to work, you know, because we all have, as Ben sort of alluded to, we all have, you know, when he was talking at the end of worship, 
We all have those moments when we think we can't do it. All hell's against me. Everything's going wrong. And you know what? I could tell us the devil. Whenever something goes wrong, it doesn't happen much now because I've maybe I got wiser as I got older. But whenever something would go wrong, I'd always say, and you hear people say it, yeah, it always comes in twos or threes. <laughs> and we Christians believe that. We do. Or, if you're like me, when something happens or a family member or a Christian seems to turn on you, the devil brings back to memory. It's happened again. Remember what happened before? They're all the same. I want to tell you, this is the battle he was talking about. It's a lie of the enemy. They're not all the same. There are people like that, but a lot of times they're ignorant. They haven't been told the truth. They've been heard sermons about leadership and about making more money or whatever else. They need to hear about brokenness and repentance and, and, and it, so that God can use them to help other people. His work empowers our prayers. Our prayers release his work and power. His power and anointing, what is that? I better read it. His work and anointing empowers our prayers and our prayers release his work and power. He wants us to work with him. He wants to get back to, that's my kids. That's my kids. Some of them are 64 and older, Gordon. And... (laughs) I know he's a couple of years older than me. That's why I can say that. And I want to tell you, he'll use your children. I don't know if you guys have had the revelation, but isn't it amazing how God speaks through children so often? And I want to put it out there theologically. Don't argue with me right now, but I believe God can speak through the unsaved. Anyway, that's another story. There is absolute connection between spiritual warfare and intercession. Wrestling in intercession for the lost and breakthrough. Too much time is wasted in dealing with symptoms. Thank God for painkillers, I'll tell you, and antibiotics. But you know, God's blessed me. You know, I've had the stent, I know a few blokes and maybe some ladies have had a few. But I've never felt so good the last few months. And now finally I'm starting to do something else about my health, you know, finally. But I feel good. And everyone around me is getting colds and that I'll probably get a cold tomorrow. <laughs> but it's, it's good to say, you know, but, that's, but it's almost like I expect God to give me good health at the moment. Because if I'm, I'm you know, and, you know, it's not putting anyone down, you get a cold, I feel sorry for it. But I said to people, I haven't had a headache for two years. I don't know why. I just thank God. Anyway, I don't know what to do with anything. <laughs> Some believe that our actions, holy lives and obedience and other things bind the devil. But we need to address him at times, many times. As I said, too, many, too much time is wasted with symptoms when many situations have as their real cause spiritual forces. Isaiah 60 and 61. I just want to finish off with a couple of scriptures. That will do. But we'll just finish off with a couple of scriptures. Jesus said in Matthew 5, So if you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God, sounds like church, doesn't it? And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. To intercede and exercise Christ's ministry of 
spiritual authority and reconciliation. We too must first be reconciled. Give no place, the Bible says, to foothold to the devil. Listen, which aborts or halts our progress in the harvest. You know, I've had to forgive my own parents for abandoning me. I've had to forgive my own people for misjudging me and things. I had to forgive myself for what I've done wrong to other people. But as the Holy Spirit, if He puts anything, highlights anything tonight, as we come to the end of this, just do what we need to do. There's instructions and many of you know it. But here's my final word before I open up the opportunity for any response. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit has spoken to a few of us and I don't think you need much instruction of how to respond. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Friends, I want to finish with this. Believe it. People have done probably awful things to you as they've done to me and my wife. That's the symptom of an evil devil who's got to them. But God can get to the cause of that. But He might need to heal some of us tonight. He might need to set it right so that we can be a congregation, collective, that have nothing hindering us or holding us. We can pray for our community. We can bless them and be a blessing so that we can see the devil fall like lightning through our lifestyle and our actions and words. Amen. Can we stand together? I'm going to hand back to Pastor Ben because he's good at this stuff. We've got to acknowledge where someone's got a gift. But we want to, you know, some of the leaders and other people want to pray with you and encourage you. But I just got a sense tonight there's some warfare gone on and I see, I've seen some lightning bolts. I can spiritually see lightning bolts have already fallen because you've said, yes, Lord. In your heart, you've said, yes, Lord. So if you need to respond with that yes with a bit of action, then let's go for it. Amen. Let's sing one of those songs. There's, I think you had two or three that were really suitable.